Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 77 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Dr. Ray Painter. And in this episode, uh, Mark is going to be away for the next two episodes. So in this episode, what we wanted to to do is talk about kind of some of the highlights of our recent Urology Advanced Coding and Reimbursement Seminar in Las Vegas. We had an excellent seminar, and as you know from our podcast and intro, and, uh, you know, we've shared this many times, but at PRS, we have a mission of helping physicians maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. And really, That's what we're trying to do at our seminars, really help, in this case, help all urologists and their staff be more efficient. There there were all sorts of tidbits on how to optimize your practice and get better at coding and do all these things that it's kind of like, as we, you know, it's kind of the, the cliche of drinking from a fire hydrant. There's so much information coming out that... And and the we reviewed the evaluations and all the evaluations are are just saying kind of that same thing. There's just so much great information, you know. We can't wait back wait to go back and implement some of these things. And they tried to pick out the most important for their practice or for their situation to implement. So what we wanted to do today is kind of just go over the the what happened on uh, last Friday and Saturday, December third and fourth. And talk about hit the highlights of what uh, what happened at the seminar. So, Ray, I mean, let's let's start here. Ray welcomed everybody with uh, with a talk. Do you want to share a little bit about what you talked about at the very beginning of day one? Yes, uh, I had started off both day one and day two, and the topic this year was on change. And the idea was looking at a practice 50 years ago and looking at the way we practice today and then kind of springboarding that into taking a look at what me coming down the pike. And it was a lot of fun because just think about practicing urology without a PSA, without a uh, any imaging like CT scan without lithotripsy and without ureteroscopy. And then look at what you're doing today and think about what your day is going to be like in the future as some of the things that are coming down the pike are, are entered into everyday practice. It was kind of a fun e- experience. Yeah, and I think we didn't go out 50 years because we decided we may be playing Yoda and sitting at the uh, uh, at the controls of Star Trek Health Track uh, at that time. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, and I don't think you know. I think a lot of the 
the attendees, as we all are, you know, you're looking at the day to day and what's coming up in the next year and you don't take pause and think about what's coming up in the next five or 10 years. And uh, I think it was a great uh, journey that you took us on. So, so that was how we started everything. And then, uh, and then Larry Kemp talked about uh, pre-service and um, the, the integration of practice-wide solutions, you know, prior auths, pre-certs, denials, best practices, and impact on coders and billers. And, and with that, you know, we, again, on the evaluations, uh, you know, or, or some of the people that we talked to uh, after uh, on day two, they were saying that, you know, pre-service is an important part uh, and, and that they needed to, to look at that, that that may have not been their, their highest priority. So that was a really, um, it was, it was a good talk and, and Ray, do you want to kind of talk about why we set it up the way we set it up? You know, we started with pre-service and kind of why we did that. Well, there's a lot of steps. In fact, you know, those of you who have seen the Wheel of Fortune that we've talked about before, outlining the 20 steps that it takes from the time you see a patient to the time the money's in the bank. Uh, and all of them have to be performed accurately and timely in order to get paid for what you do. And the pre-service is an important part of that. And the emphasis was on it. You have to have qualified people up front and at the front of the office and collecting the data prior to the visit in order to get accurate data and to be start the process off correctly. And there was a big discussion on pre-auth and pre-service and the fact that some of the private insurances just don't play fair. But uh, nobody had any huge solution on how to deal with that. It just takes time, effort, and knowledge. And I think the consensus also was that it's taking more time and more effort uh, these days. All right. So then... Uh, then we went and uh, Mark and Dr. Mark Painter and Dr. John Lynn discussed the global concept and really uh, went through what's included in the global concept from a global package and global days perspective. And, uh, you know, it's I'm, I'm always it, it's just a confusing. It's it's gray, you know, two, two plus two doesn't always equal four in coding. And so, you know, the global concept isn't, it, it's, it's just something that uh, it's, it's a complicated concept that people consistently, guess, misunderstand. Why is that? Well, there's a lot of questions on that. And it was obvious that people don't always grasp the concept that You've got global meaning several things when it comes to coding and documentation. You have the global days after surgery, which everybody gets. But then you have the global payment, which means that when you're paid for a service, you're paid for everything that you're due in the pre- and post-operative period. But then there's two sets of rules. And 
people continue to confuse all of this. Uh, but in the global rules, you have bundling, and then you have the global rules for the, the global period outside the day of surgery. And, and the main discussion here was on modifiers and, and when you should use them and when you shouldn't. And so I think Mark did a good job of clarifying the fact that when something is bundled, it's bundled for a reason. And that means you should not always be paid for those two services together. And, and the key example was the E&M service being bundled into a procedure like a cystoscopy. And the fact that if you just do the hello, how are you? And this is what I found on the day of a cysto, you should not be paid for your E&M service. And But if you do provide a service that's significant and separately identifiable, it meets the definition of the 25 modifier, and you should be paid for that E&M service. Yeah, I always like the analogy that you bring up, Ray, you know, to, to kind of drive the, the global concept point home, is that the global period is kind of like a warranty for your car. You know, even though you have bumper to bumper warranty, you're still paying for your, you know, the maintenance of the changing of the oil, the tires and all that. Well, you know, that that's kind of outside that warranty. So it's kind of the same idea with the global concept. Okay. The next uh, speaker we had was Chris Setzler, and he did a presentation um, at lunch on ASCs and how urologists can uh, bring in or, or, or not bring in, but build or uh, have or create their own ASC. And so, uh, and so with that, I thought they, there were some interesting questions that, that came from that and it was a great discussion on the ASCs. Yes, and, and he made uh, several points that uh, I think uh, kind of was an eye-opener to some. His job is he does a lot of the uh, work to help a practice uh, determine whether they should or could support an ASC. And the key points that I, that I got out of that was there's a lot of assessment that needs to be done and a lot of things to be dealt with other than just uh, CPT codes and income. You know, some offices have to deal with the politics of the area. And uh, the, the one point that he said that some folks haven't addressed is you have to have the commitment of all of the providers in your practice. And it's better in his mind that everybody that's going to be using ASC could be a part owner rather than the key members of the, the, the company being the owners and everybody else being the users. And I, I also thought that there was an interesting point he made 
on, you know, you, you can dip your toe in and see if it's going to work for you and you can test out the, the, the coding, the billing and the, you know, ASC uh, procedure delivery in the AC, the, the procedure delivery in the ASC. And you can do that by possibly renting out an ASC in your area and for, for a day and just seeing if it works. I, I thought that was an interesting, uh, uh, step into the ASCs as opposed to having to jump in all in at once. The other point that I thought was even more interesting was the fact that he said a shopping center uh-huh. may be yes. your best way to start it because it already has a lot of the 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 fire and air exchange qualities already built into the area. Yeah, and by shopping center, you mean like some of the strip malls, the you know the the strip malls out there. So I thought that was that was very interesting. Okay, then uh, Lisa, Dr. Lisa Finkelstein, talked about telehealth and really went through the reasons why telehealth is so beneficial and why it's here to stay, and uh, you know the fact that the the pandemic really. Um, cemented the telehealth's role in future healthcare. And and it was important because Lisa had started her telehealth business before the pandemic and certainly plans to continue it after the pandemic. And I I might it was brought up here that there is a movement in Congress at this time to keep uh, telehealth alive after the the health emergency. It's not done yet, but there is talk about it. And the other takeaway I thought from her talk was there is a ton of technology out there right now that uh, that that supports telehealth and you know there's just more and more technology being developed so it'll be amazing to see what uh what other new technology is coming down coming down the pike for telehealth and and that includes a lot of apps on your smartphone and others that helps to evaluate uh, patients in their home setting yeah, matter of fact, we had a uh, uh, StreamDX was one of our exhibitors, and they have a remote Eurofluorometry uh, product that uh, you know that that fits into this category. Okay, then uh, we moved. Mark gave us a the Medicare update, and he went through the uh, fact that the conversion rate is as is as at that time and we are seeing some movement in congress right at this moment but but still the conversion rate is going down by over three percent and the sequestration is uh lowering payments by over two percent so so that's still in effect as a as currently but we are seeing some movement there so we're hoping there's going to be some good news there but mark did um up they update us on the changes in uh, Medicare, and that's that's not only to urology; that's that's to all Medicare patients or Medicare services. Anything to add on the update, Ray? Uh, no, no. I okay. So. 
All right, then we uh, we Larry and uh, Dr. Lynn and Mark had a discussion on RCM and really uh, just kind of the the roles of the office and and the urologist in the total RCM and by RCM it's uh, revenue cycle management which is kind of the whole um, process that it takes to get from seeing the patient to the money in the bank. Ray, anything on that? Well, they they emphasize the need for accuracy and code capture and the fact that nobody knows better what was performed at a particular procedure than the one who did it. So the need to accurately document and communicate uh, adds to the bottom line and, uh, and, and the discussion on the entire process of uh, going through each step, keeping the physician informed of what is paid and what isn't paid. Because uh, we've seen practices that just keep performing the same procedure the same way when Medicare doesn't pay for it nor do the private payers. So you need to know what's really going on. All right, and then we wrapped up uh, day one with a breakout session and uh, and uh, half the group went to a compensation and a pra- uh, private equity discussion and the other half went to the uh, presentation on coding today and the today coder system that uh, and and those are the sessions that uh, Ray and I were in was the the coding session so I can't really comment on the compensation and practice uh, or private equity except for that Mark said that uh, the discussion went well and in in always good questions and it brought up some good discussion and good thought um, you know the physician compensation is uh, always very complicated within a practice as well as uh, as employed urologists you know depending on what what the the different components are in that compensation piece so so I think they had a great discussion there and then the obviously the private equity is becoming more and more a discussion in the urology market and there's a lot of practices that are uh, already a part of a private equity group and a lot be uh, a lot of practices considering it as well anything to add on the compensation and private equity uh no uh, there was uh, pros and cons uh presented on the private equity and it's uh, one of those stay tuned because it's becoming very prominent a lot of private equity moving into the urology market and some actually move into the second level and the the bottom line, even though they may only buy a part of your practice, they are buying control of the the business side of your practice in many cases. Although there is a new uh, uh, sort of format that is being floated, whether private equity becomes a silent partner in that they put money in to help you. Uh, do some of the things you need to do for your practice, but you stay in control. Okay. 
So the other uh, part, the other breakout was uh, the Today Coder system and coding today. And uh, I, I presented uh, the Today Coder system, which is basically um, a, a, a easier way or a more efficient way, a more efficient way to do your coding. And uh, I shared with uh, the attendees also uh, kind of the three top function, three top uh, benefits of using coding today. And, you know, and those included the finding the codes fast, getting, you know, accessing the information on one page and the bundling matrix. And I went a little bit more into detail on why coding today is the just right tool for coders. So comments on uh, our coding session there, Ray? Well, I thought your, your, your comments on your uh, sort of journey to becoming a coder was good in that you realize that you know you could get most of your codes right away those that are they're more common and the ones that really stumped you took a long time and the fact that to be more efficient why used coding today to code about 80 to 90 percent of what you're presented with and you can do that in about five minutes and then those others that could take 30 minutes, an hour, you may never find the right solution. You you seek help from a higher power. You know, go to one of the websites that help with coding or or, or do something, go let, ask one of your colleagues or go to your supervisor or something of that nature. Yeah, that was, uh, that, that definitely was my experience, my journey and how um, I, uh, I guess, improved or made a different system out of our, the way we've always trained people, just altered it a bit, made it uh, PRS training 2.0. So, so really is, uh, helped me out. So, so that was our, that was our day one and we'll stop the, this episode here. And uh, in the next episode, we'll bring you day two of the wrap-up so uh, once again you know our our mission at these seminars is to really help urologists and their staff be more efficient and you know maximize efficiencies and income so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life so hopefully uh and, and we did say see and hear that a lot of attendees or at least everybody that i talked to and all the um, evaluation forms said that uh, that that we were accomplishing, you know, moving toward that mission. So, Ray, any uh, you had the same experience? I I think you shared with me. Yes. As far as uh, you, the comments and people sharing with you their uh, their appreciation. Yes, and uh, it was good to see a lot of old friends. We have some folks that have been there for years and years each year. Yep, it was a great group. All right. With that, we'll end this episode. Oh, by the way, one final final uh, housekeeping note. You can still sign up for the New Orleans seminar. It's the end of January. It is January 28th and 29th at Harrah's New Orleans. You can go to 
the episode uh, webpage, which is prsnetwork.com forward slash 077 for episode 77. And you can find links to how to sign up for the webinar. So we'd, we'd love to see you there. And uh, you can experience this seminar as well. All right. Final word to you, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.